Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Struggle Creates Strength. Struggle Creates Strength is a mental health platform exemplifying that everyone has a story. I always say that no two stories are the same, but every story has the potential to help someone else. On today's episode, we are joined by 16-year-old Lauren McNairn. Lauren's story is not an easy one to share, but she stepped up, courageously shared it, in hopes of helping somebody else. In her story, she talks a lot about being diagnosed with autism, what it's like living with depression, how suicidal attempts affect yourself and your family, and also what it's like to possess a creative mindset. For Lauren, she is such an incredible human being who is so young, yet possesses such great maturity. In Lauren's story, she talks a lot about how creative she truly is and what it does to her overall mental health. I hope you can take a page out of her book and follow some of the steps that she has for you. Also, this podcast is sponsored by Raincoast Clothing. Raincoast Clothing is a clothing company based out of Vancouver Island, Canada. They represent nature by embracing adventure, spontaneity, and health, both physical and mental. They have also recently decided to join my mental health movement and donate 5% of profits from every item of clothing towards mental health awareness. Also, we have collaborated and created a Struggle Create Strength t-shirt, which has 100% of profits going towards mental health awareness. Go to raincoastclothing.com and help support mental health while getting yourself some great clothes. I hope you enjoyed Lauren's story and just remember that everyone has a story. Hi, how's it going? Good, how are you? Doing very good. I'm doing very good. So first and foremost, I just really, really want to thank you for coming on the podcast, for speaking up, for actually reaching out to me and for obviously setting all of this up. I know it's a hectic time of the year, so it's never, it's never easy making the time for this, but I'm, I'm very thankful for that. No problem. Yeah. And I'm, I know you and I conversed a little bit about your story and I know a little bit about it, but I think you have a story that definitely is going to speak to a lot of people and it's also going to take a lot of people by surprise. And I know that's the same as every story. I think everyone knows what everyone is going through. And I don't think that everyone knows some of the things that you've encountered and some of the things that you continue to encounter. So I'm excited for you to actually have this platform just to speak up and share everything that has happened in your life and that I'm super excited. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. So when was kind of, when did all of your mental health struggles kind of begin? I would say I was looking back, I kind of have a note of absolutely everything. And I've in the past like year and a half, I would say grade two. Wow. That's, Mm -hmm. that's insane. And what, like why, what basically brought all of that upon? I don't think there's nothing necessarily anyone to blame but I think it was the fact that I was luckily adopted um by a family but they so happened to be a white family I moved into a white community um Kelowna or Lake Country at the time was very very white I was the only black child at my school not just in my grade not just in my class but at my school and I felt lonely and not only because of that, I did have autism, which I didn't know at the time. So I didn't converse like the other kids and I was kind of an outsider and I didn't know how to connect with people. And when I got isolated at such a young age from people, which was no one's fault, it was just the way I was and no one really knew what was happening at the time. It brought on so many problems to later just snowball effect. Yeah. 
no and that's I mean that's usually like most things I mean your story's totally different but I think with anything in the mental health world and I know even for myself some of the things that I've encountered it's usually like one thing happens and then it begins a snowball effect and things just continue to get worse and I mean but you can also look at it as a positive there's yeah things start to go good sometimes it's a snowball effect in that in that way too right um so kind of just explain honestly I just want to hear and I want you to share your story in its full length and just express everything that you've kind of encountered okay so maybe like starting off in kindergarten grade one grade two Mm -hmm. things were just like my parents always knew things were off and I knew things were off because I remember in grade two telling my teacher I have no friends I have no friends I have no friends and there was always that mentality in uh, elementary school classroom like we're all your friends here Lauren like we're all your friends but really as much as we love to paint that lovely picture as in elementary school we're everyone's friends that wasn't really the case Mm -hmm. there was always kind of a divide and that's where things started to happen is I didn't have a friend that I played with at recess. I didn't have all of that. So I kind of created a fantasy world for myself. And I was really into like mini pops, which is the Canadian version of kids bops. I watched a lot of the next star, which is like a Nickelodeon version of America's Got Talent, but kids version, like all these different performing arts shows and singing, dancing, acting. And I created this kind of false world for myself because I was lost and I was depressed and I really was looking back at it. I would just go home and sit and watch TV. Never did I really get invited to a birthday party where the kid, where it was the child's idea, let's invite Lauren. It was kind of like the parent, like, oh, we should invite her because she kind of has no friends. So I was just lost Mm -hmm. as an eight-year-old kid, didn't have anywhere to go and I didn't have anywhere in I was isolated and isolation at a time at that point in your childhood is so detrimental because you need connection and you need love connection. I had that from my family. Definitely. My family's very loving. I am really lucky, but I needed something more than that, more in the school world. And that's, I think where my journey with school started to go downhill as well. And then um, in grade three, um, I was diagnosed with autism, um, which is, I was diagnosed with PDD-NOS, which is kind of like a brain, a brain deformality. Not a lot of people know exactly what happened, what causes it. Some people say it's vaccines. Some people say it's, um, it's, it goes throughout your family, but no one knows what causes it but it's where your parts of your brain don't fully develop. So you don't think and act the way that normal people necessarily would. So some people with autism um, have hard time with fine motor skills. Often our writing is messy, but we're extraordinarily good at algorithms. Um, So math type of thing, but not the math that we do in school. So it's like, it's very complex and complicated and our brains are just totally different they work in a totally different way um so I was diagnosed with autism and my parents told me 
And I just remember, I knew, I knew something was going up because they were always taking me to these doctor's appointments and the doctor's appointments were unlike any other doctor's appointments I had because the way they test you for autism is not just like a normal disease or something. Like they would have me um, line up three red balls and then run back and forth and compare them with blue balls and run back and forth and just kind of sort different things. And they'd have me draw a star, draw this star, and they'd watch what point I would draw the star from and different stuff like that. So very more psychological stuff. And I was like, why, why? I've never been to a doctor's appointment like this in my life. So I knew that something was going on. And I was like, yeah, okay, am I going to die? And I cried. And then they're like, no. And I was like, okay. So then I kind of went out about my way, but I was like, I'm different. Mm -hmm. I'm different. And I was scared of that. I was really, really scared of that. And because I had no friends, I had no one to relate to. And I didn't know anyone who had that as well. So I felt I felt like I was less than, and I felt lost, so lost. And I kept, even from grade two, grade one, all of these years, I kept feeling more and more lost. Um, Going to grade four, um, what happened in grade four? What's the kind of, I'm just trying to put, like, it's so long ago. It wasn't that long ago, but you still have to kind of think of all the dates and times. Grade four is... um, when YouTube, that was 2014. So 2013, 2014, that's when YouTube started kind of getting big and social media started getting big. And we were kind of old enough to have phones. That's when the iPod five came out, which is so long ago, but um, I got my iPod five and I could start creating videos. Mm -hmm. And those videos, like now I look back at them, I'm like, oh my gosh, what was I doing? Like dancing in my grandmother's basement to call me maybe. And I would post them. And my mom was like, you have to take those down. <laughs> like those are terrible. Like just me, a 10 year old kid filming these insane videos. Um, but it was always my escape. Mm-hmm. But school life, um, I couldn't go to school. I would cry and cry and cry. I would say, no, I didn't like going outside for recess. Every kid's favorite subject or favorite kind of activity was recess, but I would not go out for recess. I would refuse to, to, so much to the point where I had a teacher pick me up, put me outside and close the door and lock the door. So I had to go to recess, but I was scared because I didn't feel safe. Mm -hmm. And I was once again, lost. I didn't have a group of friends I could hang out with and teachers and school and that routine was kind of my safety net. So the unknown was very scary to me. Um, But then when I would go home, I wouldn't interact with anyone in my family. I was a very quiet kid and I would just sit, um, do my little videos, listen to my music. I had a karaoke machine, stuff like that. But still, it was very unhealthy because I had no social interaction. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, the social interaction was really bad. But I started to get some friends. Um, yeah, were you going to say something? No, no. Sorry, I was just listening. <laughs> I started to get some friends. But 
they weren't really real friends. Like they're kind of people I would hang out with. They were all into the kind of the social media world as much as a 10 year old could be. Um, But they never really asked me to hang out. And I remember jumping to grade five, I confronted them about that. And I told them, you guys never asked me to hang out. For the past years and years and years, you've seen me at the playground sitting, sitting at the door because I used to sit at the door and wait for the bell to ring in the cold, just sit. Um, But I confronted them and I said, you guys have never asked me to hang out. Nothing has ever come of our friendship. And they, they just stuttered like they were shocked because never had they have had another 10 year old say that to them. And they're like, yeah, well, guess what? Like, think about why we don't want to hang out with you. And that was like, whoa, for me, like it was confirmed that something was off with me and it was confirmed that I wasn't supposed to be there. And it was, it was like, yeah, you're different. And it was confirmed. Like I just, it was almost like I was waiting for that confirmation and I was waiting for them to say, yep, we don't want you. And grade six, is when I started getting more into dance. And um, all this time I had been doing dance, but it wasn't very um, pronounced. Like it wasn't something that was a big part of my life because I didn't really have a big part of my life. I just kind of watched my YouTube videos, um, imagined what it would be like to be a YouTuber, different stuff like that. Um, But I start to get a personality. I don't know why. I still look back and I was like, where did this personality come from? But I think it was the grade five, um, my my grade five year um, dance recital. I felt like I was flying after that recital. Like it was the most biggest adrenaline rush, biggest, I can't even explain it to this day, but my heart was pumping. It was the most um, free soaring um, on cloud nine I had ever felt after that performance. And it was, the most beautiful thing ever. And I knew I wanted to create that over and over and over again. Um, and I knew I was like, that was through performance. That was through me showing a personality. It was a very sassy dance this year, that year. It was like a Spanish flamenco um, dance. We had red costumes, it was super cool. Um, but I was like, that's through personality that's through brightness and extravagance. And I started to study and I started to get a fixation on dance and the performing arts. And I would watch and watch and watch and watch dance videos and all that more and more and more. Um, And I was like, that's what I'm gonna do for the rest of my life because I don't have anyone, no one's ever been there for me in my life. Dance is that. so then I started to build a personality and I got known for that at school, which I was like, yay, I'm finally getting friends. This is what's gotten me friends. But no, that wasn't necessarily friends. They were kind of all laughing at me because I would go up um, at lunch and I would perform skits, one woman shows. I would kind of just perform and it was crazy. And I still do do that to this day, but that's a whole nother um, end that I'll get to in a bit. But um, they just all laughed at me and they were all kind of egging me on like, hey, do this. Um, go, go spray yourself with water. Go spray the teacher with water. Go spray the lunch monitor with water. Do this, do that. 
And I thought that was friends. And I was so thankful. And I was like, my personality got me there. Mm-hmm. But then the grade six camp out came and um because we graduate we graduate in grade six um from elementary school to the high school and I was like oh my gosh who's gonna be in my cabin everyone's gonna want to choose me no one wanted to hang out with me it was kind of like they wanted me in their skit so I could perform we did a Kardashian skit we pretend to be the Kardashians it was really funny um but no one wanted me to hang out with them and I was like oh I still am different and I realized they only want me for that and that's when kind of the depression started to come back again and I isolated myself again and I felt so lost again and going in to grade seven the summer of grade seven I started to write a lot I started to write poetry and over the course of all these years I've seen a pattern of myself always creating something, creating videos, creating performances, creating um, artwork, um, spoken word, all these different stuff. And I started writing and I had a silver snakeskin journal and I just wrote everything. But the writing was so deep and I would search up and I would copy stuff from the Internet and almost like Tumblr, which there's some dark roads down Tumblr that were so deep that a 12 year old should not have been looking at and it was like suicide notes and I would write constantly suicide notes like and I had these fantasies and because I've always had this fantasy world of me being a famous celebrity um me being this youtuber me being this grandiose idea of myself because that was my world that I could go be in my bedroom almost like an alter ego I created not so much an alter ego of me being this depressed person because I was this depressed person, but I made it more romanticized as I definitely should have because it's not a romantic thing. It's not a beautiful thing. Um, But 12-year-old me would write these suicide notes and these deep um, writings that now that I go back and read them, they make me sad. They make me cry sometimes that someone that young could write stuff like that but um I got so deep into that in grade seven that I became very suicidal because I had no friends again it was a new school um that was at the around the time where girls started like dating guys because we were 13 and we were like ooh, but no, no guys liked me because um, a lot of the guys would say, oh, we don't, we don't date black girls. We don't do stuff like that. And that made me really sad. And that made me feel alone and isolated again. And I wrote these suicide notes and my plan was to read them off to everyone. So I ended up um, when I was 13 um, in a group of kids, a large group of kids reading off my suicide notes at lunchtime and a teacher had found out and they um, they said, you can't come to school anymore. But school had been kind of my, like I needed that social interaction. I needed that alter ego. I needed that 
performance. I needed a place where I could perform because I'd always been that performer, whether it'd been through YouTube, dance, all that stuff. I needed a place where I could perform and I needed to feel a sense of community because I knew if I was alone in my room, if I didn't go to school, something bad was going to happen and I wasn't going to be safe. So I didn't feel safe by myself. Um, so then I said, I made the claim, if you don't um, let me come back to school, I'll kill myself. Um, and I was very, very prominent with that. And because they had seen all those notes and those writings I had written, I ended up going to the hospital. I was in the hospital for a night. Um, and um, that was, yeah, that was still grade seven. And it really made me just be like, yeah, this is, this is something, this is not okay. Um, and I remember my dance recital being a couple days later. And I just was like, I have to get to my dance recital. I have to perform again. I have to perform. I have to get that adrenaline rush. And it was almost like I was a junkie and I was an addict for the adrenaline of performing or doing something grandiose or doing something that was gonna shock people. Um, so I said, no, I made it all up. I was okay. And they let me out. Um, so they let me out and things were not good still throughout the years. Um, go Leading to grade eight, I start to fight with my parents a lot. I just was not going down a good path either, but I something that did save me along the ways was um, the fact that there was like a pursuit of excellence hockey academy and all those kids in that hockey academy were shooting for something. Mm -hmm. And because I was surrounded with those kids, I was like, I can shoot for something too. And it was something good. Mm -hmm. And I kind of romanticized those kids and I was like, those kids are God tier. Like, I hung out with them all the time. They were good to me. They were good friends um, for the most part. But I was like, if I copy the way of their life, not necessarily play hockey, but um, kind of like have so much drive, then I can make it out of there too. So I started that kind of mindset of drive, 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 um, devote your whole life to it, devote your whole life to dance, devote your whole life to craft. And I devoted my whole life to the performing arts. I had my YouTube channel. I made so much creation, which was really good for me, but it flawed relationships with my family a lot because um, just because like, I couldn't, I was rude to them. I didn't treat them nicely because I was like, what can you do for me? You need to drive me to this dance practice. You need to take me here. You need to sign me up for this modeling thing. Like I would, I would use my mom's email and sign up for modeling shoots. I would do all these different things because I needed um, to become this person that everyone else was. These only people, which were the hockey kids, had something for them. Mm -hmm. And I need to have something for myself too. 
and it was healthy in a way that it took my mind off of the suicidalness and everything else, but it was unhealthy in the way that it hurt relationships. Um, then, yeah, it was then grade eight, I was still having really unhealthy relationships with my family. Um, end of grade eight, I went to summer camp. Um, summer camp was so, so good for me because we learned the, um, there was a big phrase, have fun and love everyone. And I really got to look back um, and be like, am I loving everyone? Am I showing everyone unconditional love? Am I, what am I doing for people? Mm-hmm. What, am, what am I doing for humanity? And it was almost like a rehab in a way, going to this Bible camp, this summer camp where I didn't have my phone, I couldn't necessarily perform. Um, being around the nature and being around my family or not being around my family and just taking, thinking of everything was really good for me. Um, but grade nine, I left the summer camp because school started grade nine. It was almost like they call it a summer camp high because mm-hmm. you're there and everything's perfect and you're away from everything. And then the high leaves mm-hmm. and you, your whole world turns upside down and grade nine anxiety came back again, just like it was in grade four, where I refused to go outside for recess, but worse, where I refused to go to school. And I missed 72 days of school because of it. And I told them that, like, I told my parents, I can't go to this school anymore. And I think that was part because a lot of those pursuit of excellence kids who I was friends with left. And um, I was just really lost like I know I've said lost a lot but it's always been a common occurrence of lost 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 in my life never having anywhere to go um but I just wouldn't go to school and when I did go to school I would cry and cry and cry or I would sleep they had a special room for me literally just a janitor's closet because they're like we don't know where to put her so it was a janitor's closet with a couch and I would sleep in there and that was my school and I would get W's on my report cards which pretty much just means withdrawn from course um where you they they don't have anything for you and you can't even get an I because you didn't show up to the class so they just withdrew you but in the public school system a lot of times they just pass you through So I ended up passing because it's public school and they'll just pass you through even no matter what happens at that point. Um, I was in grade nine, so that's just the case. Um, But my parents were like, do you wanna change schools? And I was like, yeah, yeah, I need to, um, to restart. I need a fresh start, I need I know there's something more for me. And this whole time while this was going on, I was getting bullied immensely um, because of my mental health, because it was clear that my mental health was bad. I would bawl my eyes out and scream, scream at the top of the lungs in the hallway of my school and kids would watch me and laugh. Um, 
I also witnessed another kid being bullied, um, which was really hard for me because I, I have a need for justice. I always have a need for justice and I would report it, but nothing happened over and over and over again. But it was to the point where like, I wanted to be that personality again and I would talk to people, but they'd ignore me. They'd pretend I didn't exist. And I don't know why. I don't know if there was some all based consensus, like let's pretend she doesn't exist and everyone else was in on it. I don't know to this day, I don't know. But um, that messed with me so much. And I was just like, I need to leave because I know that people don't get treated this way other places. And I knew that from summer camp. And I feel like if I didn't go to summer camp that past year, that past summer, I would have been gone. Like that wouldn't have saved like that was what saved my life. And that's what made me know there was a hope and there's good in the world is that have fun and love everyone and love everyone. And there are people who love everyone. Um, but I ended up changing schools while my teachers at my old school were saying, no, she shouldn't change schools. It's gonna be the same everywhere else. Um, she's not gonna be able to do her schoolwork at the school she, wanted to, I wanted to go to, which was a private Christian school in Kelowna. Um, she's just not going to succeed. But I went um, and I showed up the first day and it was insane. Just the light and the happiness there was. And I don't know if it's because it was a Christian school and a Christian camp. And I felt that same love and light or just because it was a new fresh start. And I think I was talking to someone the about a month ago about, we call it the Kelowna-fornia bubble or the Lake Country bubble. And it's like, we're all in a snow globe dying to get out and dying to find something more. And every once in a while, a new person comes in but once they come in, they can't get out and they're trapped. And it's so much in Lake Country that we're all, we all have the same teachers. We all go to the same grocery store. We all have those same things. And everyone has the same mentality and we're dying to get out. And everyone is just fighting at each other. And they're just so on edge because of it, because it's so small that they're dying to be someone and be something and have a special role. And it's almost like there's only so many special roles or society, the Lake Country Society or Kelowna Society or some society um, or the group of people we are have decided there's only a couple and not everyone is special. There's only a spe couple special roles and it puts everyone so on edge mm -hmm. that we can't get out. But then I go to this new school and everyone has a special spot. And it was so refreshing to me. Um, and I was so excited. I was really, really excited to just be me. Um, but I ended up getting into a relationship and I'm not gonna talk about that too much because it's not very um, significant, but I decided that I was just gonna get in a relationship with 
a new high school boy and I didn't grow good girl friendships at my new school grade 10 year which was last year and then quarantine hit and he broke up with me um because usually high school relationships don't last long but um I was like lost and the January which was a couple months before that if you look March and then January um I was having problems with my weight and I couldn't dance because of my weight my pediatrician said you can't dance you can't go on walks you can't go do PE so I couldn't do anything um physical um in any way possible so I couldn't dance and I actually went to one dance class before that before quarantine or before spring break started and I danced for one hour I was used to dancing like four hours a week four to six hours a week so I went to one hour of dance from January to March then quarantine hit and I wasn't dancing at all and I was out of a relationship had no friends again and I couldn't go to school and be social so I was lost again and I started doing a couple YouTube videos once in a while, but nothing really made me feel special. I watched a lot of high school musical. I love, love, love high school musicals because it's like that fantasy. Everyone sings and dances and they're all friends. So it was great for me personally. Um, but yeah, it was just so scary to feel lost again. And I felt like every time I just relapsed and relapsed and relapsed. Um, but in August, I met someone who was starting a dance troupe with Mission Dance Center, which is a dance center um, in Kelowna. And I felt at home there. And I felt like I should start dancing with them. I was dancing with another dance studio, which I love, 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 loved. Um, forever will be my home, the Village Dance Academy. Um, Oh my goodness, they're just amazing there. But um, I didn't get into their um, their two of their programs that I really needed to get into just to have a career in dance. Like it was kind of like, what's the point if I'm even dancing, if I'm not in those programs? And I was planning to go in the program below and I was like, okay, I'll just dance in the program below. That's the one I made it into. But it's like, this program is big. And I felt so sad because of that. So I joined this mission dance center because I was getting corrections I had never gotten to before. And I was also having the opportunity to dance ballet like six hours a week, which with the program that Village Dance Academy is offering me, I couldn't dance that many hours a week of ballet and get good because you needed ballet at that point to get better. And I need ballet to get better and just really excel. So my plan was always to dance there for a year, get my corrections, get really, really good and go back to the village. But um, because I was dancing so many hours a week again, like insane, like 24 hours a week or like it just blew my mind um, that I was dancing a day's worth of time in a week. Um, it gave me anxiety because I felt need to be good. I felt the need to be so much better. And I would cry, I would refuse to go to school because of it, again, because right after school, I'd walk to the dance school. So I was like, okay, if I don't go to school, I don't go to dance. Um, so then my parents cut my dance 
bit down. But I start to get really angry because then they're like, okay, no dance at all. So I lost dance and now I'm not dancing necessarily at all. But I started to get really angry and I started to feel like I needed to punish people again, almost like back to the time where I read those suicide notes to the whole of my grade because I felt the need to punish people and I need people to kind of feel my wrath. So I got in fights. I started yelling at school. I started getting in physical altercations, verbal altercations um, to the point where I got big trouble at school. And this was in October. So like last month or two months ago. Um, And kids started like, I always had a really good support group and I still do have a really good support group at my school and no one was really mean to me, but there was this one kid who would post, I would post like YouTube video, like Instagram things, like um, give me ideas for my new YouTube video, blah, blah, blah. And they'd be like, how to be a good person challenge. Or I do um, like drop at questions for a Q and A and it would be like, um, why are you the way that you are? I know your secret about your autism, which I didn't want anyone to know that I had autism at the time. Um, and because autism was the reason I kind of had no friends in elementary school and was lost in elementary school, I was on so much edge. And one of those um, messages came through um, November 1st. And November 1st, um, I was so taken off by the night before being at Halloween. I was hanging out with all my friends. It was good. Like we, it was good. It was really, really good. But the next day, it was terrible. And I was taken off by how one thing can be so good one day, but then the next, everything can flip that I attempted suicide because I couldn't take it any longer. And I was just like, I can't do this. I can't do this. I can't do this. Um, and I was arguing with my parents. I was not doing well at all. So I went up to my parents' bathroom and I ended up taking my antidepressants, the whole bottle. And then I went downstairs to my dad and I just showed him the empty bottle and I showed and I said I did it I finally did it it was almost like the thing I'd been so scared to do like oh my goodness what happens if I commit suicide I've always threatened it but I've never really wanted to do it but I did it and my dad just said get in the car so I got in the car and we drove to the hospital um and the hospital was weird. It was never like the times I'd been to the hospital before for mental health. Everything was so weird. And keep in mind, this was only a month and a half ago, maybe um, on November 1st. So kind of like a month and a half ago. Yeah. Um, everything was off and they kind of just rushed me through. And I just laid on like a waiting room bed and they're like, okay, like they gave me water every couple hours, but I was in there for probably five hours. Didn't really see a psychiatrist, kind of did, kind of didn't. Like, just how are you feeling? Well, I'm feeling like crap. 
Awesome. I took half a bottle of pills, but like it was, it was weird. It was really weird. And then they said, would you like to go home? And I said, well, yeah, but aren't you going to like do anything? And I, I was like, okay. And I was so in shock that I felt like they were pushing me out. So I was like, okay, I'll go home. And I went home. But like, after you've taken that many pills, you have to detox your body. So I detoxed myself that night in my bathroom after just attempting suicide. Mm -hmm. So I just threw up and threw up and threw up, not on purpose, not by my own, like trying to throw up, but I just threw up because my body was rejecting chemicals it was rejecting toxins it was rejecting the overdose um so I just kept throwing up and it was terrible and I was looking back like this was the same bathroom where I did it and here I am five hours later just being taken out of the hospital and here I am like what's next and I was scared and I was like there's something wrong here. Why is it like this? Why are things like this? Um, and yeah, it was just so weird. And looking back now, I think it was because of COVID mm-hmm. that they just had to push me out. They're like, sorry, we can't have you here. And not because the hospital was overflowed with COVID patients, but because they were just on edge. Like they're like, mental health doesn't matter at this point. Because psychiatrists, like when, when, like I don't, my guess is psychiatrists don't like see COVID patients that much. So like, I was just trying to put together the plan and why I didn't get to see a psychiatrist for longer, why my mental health wasn't, taken seriously um but I kept thinking like never again because that feeling was so sickening it was sickening to the point where I was like regretting it so much and I'm so glad that I'm a survivor because now I can know the regret you feel after you've done it and I can let people know that it's not worth it And I realized, like, never, ever, ever do I want to make someone feel that way. And I need to be a support system for people. Like, I need to. And I need to create somewhere, someplace where people can be safe and where people can go to. And I love that because this that's essentially what struggle creates strength is. Mm -hmm. And... I need to build this empire. And I looked at every single thing I do well, mm-hmm. I can perform, I can create my videos. I know the social media world in and out. I know all these things, what's next? So I created an empire marketing group, which is um, a collective of youth in the Okanagan, social media influencers, dancers, we have a lot of different people. And 
I said, where do we start? Making a platform where people can go to in the Okanagan and see us and look up to us and say, we're positive role models and we will make you feel wanted and loved. So I created that. And essentially nothing's really happened since then. I'm just still, I mean, that was, this was only five, four weeks ago, but we're getting ready to launch in January. And I'm going to be honest with you. I still have my mental health ups and downs and my story's not over yet. No one's story is necessarily over yet, but I'm seeing counselors. I'm working at it. And yeah, that's kind of where my story is now. Wow. That, it's, oh my gosh. Like it is insane just to like, because when I first talked to you and when I obviously even now, like just the way that you basically all the attributes that you possess and the way that you present yourself is like, I would never, ever guess that you've been through half of that. Like, I know I always say like, yeah, everyone has a story and it can, it's basically the factor of never judging a book by its cover or never assuming someone's story because you seriously never know what someone's going through. <laughs> like if you didn't explain all of that and I know it's going to come to a shock to many as it did myself and I mean even today like I've heard part of your story before and it just blew me away hearing basically the remainder of it and hearing all the ins and outs of it and how basically how you've been affected in your life from mental health struggles and where it's kind of brought you but also looking at the positive of it is you being here you wanting to spread awareness in the best ways that you possibly can and be a mental health advocate yourself and just really having that having that itch to help others which is I mean it's amazing when anyone is willing to help others but it's it's pretty spectacular when especially when it's been so like it's pretty recent that you've gone through a lot of stuff and uh, I guess a question that I have for you though is what was kind of the because I'm always curious because this, it seems to always be different answers, but how did your kind of, how did your family react after your attempted suicide? Um, my family has been really, really supportive. I love my family so much. They're so great. And they always strive to keep me safe. Mm -hmm. I think they've always kind of been worried with the social media world, um, where things are at with me. And they like even scare of like, I told them about this podcast and they're like, make sure you don't overshare, make sure you don't um, create a detriment to yourself. Mm -hmm. But I often explain like, I'm a survivor. I'm a survivor of everything, mm -hmm. everything I've been through. Everything that happened has happened to me is a chance for me to not make it through, but I made it through. So I have to, I feel like it's my duty to fight for people and love on people. And they just say, okay. Like, I feel like sometimes they're astonished by, by what happens mm -hmm. and what my reactions to things, because I find like my reactions aren't always the same as everyone else's. Yeah. No, and that's that's awesome that you have their support and that you're obviously they're giving you love and 
just always making, always looking out for your best interest to basically <laughs> summarize that. And I know one of the things for me is, or that's so important to me is the support system that you have. And it's funny that you say that about the oversharing thing. And I have a lot of friends and um, even in the past, I've had so many people just tell me like, oh, like, are you sure you really want to share that? Are you sure that this is something that's good for the public or good for the public eye? And honestly, I think if you can wear all of your struggles on your sleeve and you can basically just embrace who you are and embrace your past, mm -hmm. I think that is the strongest and most courageous thing that you could ever do. And sharing that on a public platform honestly, not only does it help yourself basically relieve, like take that weight off your shoulders, but it also helps countless people, like endless people. And it will continue because as, I mean, we always hear the saying that once you post something on the internet, it's up there forever. And it's always looked at as like this big negative and you always have to watch what you post. And I mean, yeah, you do, but there's also a positive aspect of that. And that's once you share your story and who you are, it's going to continue to be there forever. And anyone can stumble across it at any given time. And anyone that's struggling will see it and they'll hopefully get help. They'll hopefully find or like utilize some of the things that you've actually done to better yourself. And same with myself and same with any other story. And I think that's like a hidden gem of the internet is that it's always there and it's always going to be there. And I, yeah, I don't know. It's, I think it's super beneficial, but speaking on that note, what, um, what were kind of some things that actually allowed you to move on and move forward from obviously that darkest, deepest part of your, of your life? I would say building connections mm -hmm. with not only people, but the earth. And almost looking, I don't want to get too new agey or too crazy sounding, but thinking like, what's one thing or person I have to live for? And seeing the tree outside my bedroom window and being like, that tree, I wake up in the morning and see it every day. Mm -hmm. And imagine what would that tree do without me? Like thinking you are loved by something or someone. Mm -hmm. And that really helped me is knowing we are all so dependent on every single one of us. We're also dependent on everything. And just having one thing, one thing to kind of be like, I live for that thing tomorrow. Mm -hmm. Tomorrow, that thing is dependent on me and I need to make it to tomorrow for that thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's incredible. And I know even for myself, I like to utilize that as well. And especially when I was going, like when I was on basically in my, like my big depression state and I was, I was kind of on, like when I'd be driving and I would, I mean, it's a regular thing for a lot of people, but you always think about, Oh, like, what if it's just yeah. a car? What if I was to fall off this cliff? What if it's like all these what ifs, but then I think the biggest thing that always allowed me to ground myself and kind of come back to reality was the factor of how it would affect others and what my loss would do to other people and how 
I mean, one of the biggest things, and I even had a conversation about this today with someone, but when you're, for instance, if you're driving and you wonder like, what if this car was to swerve into me? What if I was to swerve into this car or whatever happens? The biggest thing that I would always think about is who's sitting in that car? Like what are, what does their life look like? Maybe, maybe yeah. they just got married last week. Maybe they just had a newborn, maybe like you never know. And I mean, it speaks to it again. Like you never know what someone's story truly is until yeah. you hear it. And I think that's something that's really cool is when you pass, say today, if you're ever passing someone and you look at them, it's like, I really wonder what, what their story is like. And that's yeah. the cool part about it is that everyone has a story. And I mean, yeah. you'll run into so many people in your life and nobody will, or not nobody, but very few people would ever know your actual true story in full depth. And that's, what's really neat and cool about this is that you're sharing that for everyone and everyone actually gets to see how, even like how all the bullying affected you, how like certain actions that would happen at school affected you and basically just how you overcame a lot of your struggles and where it's brought you today. And just proving that doesn't matter how young you are, you can go through mental health struggles. It doesn't matter what's basically what your life looks like. You can go through mental health struggles and everyone, I mean, there's so many people that have basically the world given on a, on a gold plat, like gold plate and they're miserable and they're so yeah. depressed. And it's, yes. that's like the thing is depression, anxiety, any form of mental health struggle or disease does not care what you have in your life. It's, it's going to come and it's going to be there and it's not going to say, Oh, like, yeah, you have a good life. So I'm just going to leave you alone. Like that sort of thing. Like it can hit anyone at any given time. And you never, I mean, I always just say like life is so unexpected and anything can happen on any given day. And you truly, I think it's just truly important to kind of, to live in the moment and to obviously like embrace your friends and family and the people around you. And even just like the scenarios or even like these conversations, like I always, just I'm always beyond grateful for these conversations because it kind of allows me to take a step out of reality mm -hmm. allows me to just really be in the now and focus on this and focus on basically what I need to do better what um, basically what other people can do better and more so focusing on how these conversations actually or basically will change someone's life and that is like it's the most humbling thing mm -hmm. ever I mean helping people and kindness and just being there for other people and actually doing something that changes people's lives is definitely the best feeling mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and I just have a, a quick little or a couple little things before we kind of wrap it up but yeah um what would do you have like any form of a quote that you've kind of shaped your life off of or live by definitely that one thing I said before have fun and love everyone I love it self love everyone love every item mm -hmm. love everyone yeah and if today right now somebody is going through some form of mental health struggle or they will encounter it at some point 
what would be your all-time biggest tip of advice, hands down? Find something to create and find something that you can say, I made this and I made beauty, therefore I am beautiful. So whether it be writing, write, write, write. Go online and find, like, if you're a hockey fanatic, go online, find hockey statistics and write a paragraph about those hockey statistics. Find something that you have made and say, I made this, it is beautiful, therefore I am beautiful. And that's something to live for. And it gives you something to live for, so, yeah. That's that's spectacular. Um, And you being on here has obviously been amazing. And I know that we've had various, or we had a conversation about basically you helping with struggle create strength in any which way and you just being a mental health advocate on basically in everyday life and that's awesome and with that being said where could somebody reach you at if they're ever struggling or going through something um you guys can find me on my instagram l-a-u-r-e-n-m-c-n-a-i-r-n-n or if you don't want it to be so personal always drop a comment on my youtube videos um, my YouTube channel is L-A-U-R-E-N-D-A-H-L-I-A. Awesome. Yeah. yeah. And I, again, I cannot thank you enough for coming on no to the problem. podcast and just possessing pure courage and strength. And you're basically the vulnerability that you possess in the best possible ways is next to none. And it is, it's always amazing having these conversations and having new people on the podcast and having you on the podcast today was awesome. And I know it's going to shape a lot of people's lives. And I just, again, can't thank you enough. No problem. Awesome. Okay. Well, thank you. And I'm sure we'll keep in contact. And I know that we have a lot of things that are coming up and yes. that we can get in to the schools and do all of the stuff that we're hoping for. So yeah. it'd be awesome. No problem. Thank you so much. Have a great day. Yeah. Thank you. You as well. Thanks so much for listening to another episode of Struggle Creates Strength. I hope everyone enjoyed Lauren's story and I encourage you to reach out to her and have some vulnerable conversations with her. If you want to reach me or come on the podcast, you're more than welcome to at Struggle Create Strength on both Instagram and Facebook. Or you can also reach me on my website at strugglecreatestrength.com. All podcasts are posted on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, Facebook, and additional posts are posted on Instagram as well. I hope everyone enjoyed Lauren's story and just remember that everyone has a story. Dos, tres.